The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for your kindness towards us. We can never thank you enough. Lord, for, from the depths of our beings, we say thank you. From the bottom of our heart, Father, we are grateful. In every life present in this place today, in every life joining us over the internet, we thank you for that which eyes have not seen, that we burst forth in our lives. We thank you for that which ears have not heard. Thank you for that which has not even begun to enter into the heart of man. Honor and glory we give unto you, Jesus. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Today we are in part five. We are looking at intelligence. The principle of intelligence. And, you know, we started the series by um, explaining that God has and will give us victory. And because we have to be um, aware and cooperate with God, we, we need to understand how to deploy proven military strategies for obtaining victory. Victory in every area of our lives. We did say that life is a battle. From when you were born till when you will see your maker, life is a battle. And in this battle of life, you are the general of your life. Who is the general of your life? Not me, you. You are the general of your life. And as a general, you have to know the principles of war. And these principles have been uh, applied by great generals historically. And interestingly, they are rooted in scripture. In fact, a lot of the war generals have copies of the Bible with them, even though regardless of their faith. They are students of the Bible, regardless of their faith. So you hear them deploying things, and you're like, that was David. You doing stuff, I said, that was Samuel. Doing stuff, and you're like, wow. That was Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we started by looking at the principle of the objective. And after that, we looked at the principle of the offensive. And the third week, we looked at the principle of mass. And last week, Sunday, part four, we looked at the principle of maneuver. And today, we are going to be looking at the principle of intelligence. The principle of intelligence. Our text is from Proverbs 24, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 24, verses 5 and 6. The word of God says in Proverbs 24, 5 and 6, it says, The wise are mightier 
than the strong. And those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having quality intelligence. Victory depends on having quality intelligence. You see, your opposition may be strong, but you must be wise because the wise is mightier than the strong. Goliath was strong, but David was wise. Wisdom we always flaw might and strength any day. So God wants us to gather intelligence. Don't go to war in in your marriage, in in your business, your personal life, even spiritually. Don't go to war without gathering quality intelligence. Don't launch without seeking counsel and and weighing it and, and gathering quality intelligence. Why? Because the scripture tells us victory depends on it. You are going to be victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. So the principle of intelligence just simply says that do everything possible to gather and accurately interpret information that will enable you gain advantage and defeat the enemy. The principle of objective says do, sorry, of intelligence says do everything possible. Do everything. Everybody say everything. Everything possible to gather and accurately interpret. It's one thing to gather. It's another thing to accurately interpret. So knowledge alone is not, is not enough. Understanding is key. To accurately interpret information. That will enable you gain advantage and defeat the enemy. And there are on three levels you must gain intelligence. There are three levels on which you must have accurate knowledge and intelligence. The first one, you must know yourself. <laughs> you must what? Know yourself. Secondly, you must know your allies, the people around you. Thirdly, in fact, this intelligence is so profound that I feel we should just do it for three weeks. But we won't we'll finish it today. God will help us in Jesus' name. You must know your allies. Number three which is usually the obvious, which is usually what people, you know, when they talk about intelligence, is you must know the the enemy. You must know the enemy. But you see, there are three levels, not just the enemy. You must know yourself. There's there's this book, Art of War, you know, um, by um, Sun Tzu. I, I, I recommend you get the book. I have different versions of the book. I have the expanded one. I have the summarized one. I have one on my Kindle. I have 
<laughs> the guy said, if you know the enemy and you know yourself in a hundred battles, you will never be in peril. If you know the enemy and you know yourself, and I'm going to show you in scripture, of course, I mean, you know that's consistent with scripture. In a hundred battles, you will never be in peril. He also said, when you are ignorant of the enemy, but you know yourself, your chances of winning or losing are equal. You're a gambler. When you know the en- when you when you when you know yourself and you don't know the enemy, you're gambling. You're gambling with your business, you're gambling with your life, you're gambling with the anything endeavor. You don't know the enemy, you're gambling. In your organization, you don't know the, the enemy, you're gambling. Stop gambling. And he went on to say, if you are ignorant of your enemy and you are also ignorant of yourself, you are setting in every battle to be imperial. <laughs> and, you know, I could, I could see this even from my life in areas at times I've struggled with different things. I could, I could pin it down to these principles. As a pastor, I see it consistently. As a sportsman, I see it consistently. So, great military leaders, they are continually gathering and analyzing information. Continually gathering. You are running a business, you don't even have the vital facts statistics, information about it. You cannot ask you a question. You don't even know something is wrong with that. I talk to you for five minutes. I'm asking you questions about your business. Basic questions. You can't tell me. I know that you'll be in trouble very soon. It is your duty to gather information. Whose duty is it? It's yours. You are the general. You are the general. You see, the way even God works with his people, Israel, God has said, I will give you the land. But God said, choose 12 spies. Let them go and gather intelligence. And I'm like, why do they need intelligence? God already told them, I'm going to give you the land. Why do they need intelligence? Think about it. Today, Israel has the one of the best intelligence in the world, the Mossad, you guys know them. They are, I mean, <laughs> one of the best intelligence in the world. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. In 1941, we know we, we, we do a lot of historical warfare analysis. The Germans had what they call the Enigma machine. Now, the Enigma has an encrypting algorithm that ciphers information on one end and even though it is intercepted and the radio waves are tapped, nobody was able to decipher it until it gets to the other end that has an Enigma machine 
And of course, it's deciphered. And the Germans took control practically of Europe because of intelligence. They can pass information around and nobody could get it. And Britain almost fell. But they were smart. They just went after one Enigma machine. Just one. They secretly captured it. They used it to decode all the German intelligence. And they overpowered the Germans. Just by deciphering what is going on. Praise the name of the Lord. Just by deciphering what is going on. Many times, Jesus will be with people and the Bible says, Jesus will decipher what was in their hearts. They will think a thought in their heart that Jesus will say, why are you thinking like this? (laughs) He had an enigma machine, if you will. God wants you and I to be able to decipher the plans of the enemy. He wants you and I to be able to spiritually decipher what they are planning for you. Another story. World War II. Called the Battle of Midway. Now. The Japanese, smart, very smart people, under the Admiral Yamamoto. It was a Yamamoto. <laughs> the guy was so smart that he pushed back in the, in, the, in the world, in the Pacific, he pushed back the American submarines and, and, and all the artillery. But unknown to him, the Americans paid attention to just one thing, to decode the Japanese intelligence. And as soon as they decoded it, they did not only wipe out all Japan's equipment, they killed their general because they knew where he was going. He was going for an inspection and they knew he was going to fly. And they just waited for him to take off and he shot down his, his plane. What am I saying? There is intelligence in the spirit realm. There is information in the spirit realm. You have to tap into it. Say, but pastor, I mean, how can I tap into it? I, I am not a, a prophet. Listen, you are a prophet of your life. Not a prophet as in an office. What I mean by that is that inside of you, and you need to understand this, inside of you is the spirit of God. And Jesus says this same spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Job, for instance, was, 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 
minding his own business. And there were signals going on in heaven, discussions going on in heaven about Job. And he was clueless. Assuming Job could tap into heaven and understand what was going on, perhaps he could have responded better. Perhaps he could have pleaded his case with God. Perhaps, I don't know. There have been meetings where a witch sitting on one corner, another witch speaking, sitting on that corner, and they were communicating. And they communicated and said, now is the time to strike. And the pastor stopped the meeting and said, I just heard what you have said. If you don't come out now, and they both came out. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they are, you have to be able to intercept communication and interpret. Intelligence is so key. It's so key. Many times, many times, I've, I've said before, when I meet people, when I shake them, I used to do it for fun because just out of relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know, but it became very useful for me. And I shake somebody. I'm shaking you. I'm asking God, who is this person? And God is always accurate. Always. You see, that alone has saved me a lot of stress. A lot of stress. Who is this person? And God will tell you. Praise the Lord. Sometimes, one piece of information is all that is needed. Just one piece of information is all that is needed. So, so in, in, in warfare, a, a key attitude to, many times, many people fall because they are ignorant and arrogant. People fall largely in warfare because they are ignorant and arrogant. One key attitude, now listen to this, one key attitude you must develop is to respect your enemy. You, listen, you have to respect your enemy. Never, ever take the enemy for granted. Never. When you give the enemy respect, you will not take anything for granted. But when you are arrogant and you look down on your enemy, it's usually the first step to destruction. You know the story of AI? Children of Israel, they looked at AI. It's a small town. Why are we going to waste our time? You know? Fighting AI with all our men. Just send a few guys to, to show them who we are. And they gallantly lost. Arrogance. How many people have failed exams because they looked at the exams and said, oh, you know, is it not calculus? I was born with calculus. And they saw the result, F9. Say, oh, no, 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 no. It's impossible. Yes, it is. Arrogance. 
arrogance. You've seen, you know. I'm going to use soccer again. Quality players stand in front of a penalty shot. And you see arrogance. And they miss the penalty. Quality players. In fact, <laughs> one quality player, one of, one of the best players around today. He wanted to play penalty. Penalty. It went, it went like this. It went like this. I'm telling you. You know the guy now? Should I tell you his name? Neymar. I love the guy. I, I love his flair. I think he's one of the, the, the few guys that really know what football is about. It's not just kick and run. Hold the ball. Show us some. Anyway, so Neymar ran this way, ran that way. I've never seen anyone miss penalty by that margin. He kicked it to the roof, to, to the sky. Arrogance. Arrogance. I've seen um, spouses. Instead of you to take care of your spouse, you're arrogant. Take care of your husband, you're arrogant. Take care of your wife, you're arrogant. I'm sorry for you. Arrogance. Listen. Never underestimate the enemy. Never. Never, ever. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. Always assume the enemy is intelligent and competent. If you are wrong, then your victory will be a landslide. But if you are right, you will be ready. Always assume that the enemy is intelligent and competent. Always assume. In your business, always assume that the competitor is intelligent and competent. Never assume. At your job, always assume that the person vying for that same position is intelligent and competent. Do your own work. As Christians, we, we have an arch enemy of our soul, Satan. Never underestimate Satan. Please, I beg you. Never, ever underestimate the devil. I've seen Christians. I know we are victorious in Christ. Yes. I know we are seated in the high places, far above principalities of ours. Yes. I know before the throne of God above, we have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for us. I know. But don't underestimate the devil. There is nothing the devil cannot try. Nothing. <clears throat> but on you, it will fail. In the name of Jesus. Think about it. The, the, the devil, you know, many of us, you, we know God, but we really don't know God because until we really see God and we rather die or are transitioned, 
by rapture, and you really see how majestic God is, that is when you will really know who God is. God is fearfully, fearful to be praised. He's awesome. God is terrible. Guess what? The devil was Lucifer. He knew God. He knew that he's you know, the man of war. He knew how awesome he is, but he still tried him. He still tried him. So who are you? Excuse me, who are you? Never think that the devil is a fool. You can call him many things. You can say, Satan, fall down for God. Masha, 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 masha. It's okay. You say, you're watching me, Abby. Okay. But don't ever call him a fool. He's defeated. But he's not a fool. Praise the name of the Lord. Say to your neighbor, know your enemy. Now there's a dimension of knowing your enemy that, that I, want, I want us to, to look at. It, it, and and, and, and the fact that in warfare, perception is everything. Perception is everything. Perception is everything. You, you, must have, you must have heard it said, it's common knowledge, that who you know is more important than what you know. You've heard that before. Who you know is more important than what you know. But there's something more important than who you know. And that is, who knows you? There are some people you know, but they don't know you. You remember them from secondary school. I say, who are you? You say, you don't remember. Oh, God, you don't remember. We used to be, we used to, we used to be in the same house. Eh. What year was that? <laughs> well, you know them, but they don't know you. But they are, they are big boys now. You're yeah, trying to remind them, but they don't know you. And there's still something more important than who knows you. Who you know is more important than what you know. Who knows you is more important than who you know. What they think about you is more important than who knows you. The fact that somebody knows you is one thing. But what do they think about you will determine the value of that relationship. You can be in somebody's office and, oh, you know them. They know you. As soon as you step out, they use useless woman. Because they know that you are unreliable. They know that you are cheating with your, uh, your husband. They know. They know. And what they think about you, they hold you. And that, that is perception. Perception is everything in warfare. Say, oh, he, he knows, he knows, he knows me. So what? People say, oh, Pastor knows me. Pastor knows me. I say, hey, so what? What does Pastor think about you? That's the most important thing. And many times he won't tell you. Praise the Lord. You're a business person. The way your customers think about you, when your name is mentioned, influences their buying decision. It is, when your name is mentioned, your business name is mentioned, what they think about you is everything. 
Why? You know, because customer's perception is customer's reality. Whether they are right or wrong, whether it's the truth or it's a lie, what they perceive is reality. So in espionage, particularly in, in intelligence gathering, particularly in espionage, that is the spine system, modifying perception is key. It's, it's totally, totally key. So one of the rules of military intelligence, especially in the area of espionage, is to influence and shape the perception to your advantage. Remember, we, we shared the story of Alexander the Great. He allows his spies to be caught. And they will not talk. But after they've tortured them, cut off their fingernails, you know, they will now give false information. And they will check all of them. They are giving the same information. So the enemy will think that, oh yeah, I've caught them now. <laughs> and play into his hands. It was a perception. Perception also influences you, not just the enemy. Also influences you. There's a story in Numbers 13, Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14. Please read it when you get it. It's a fantastic story of espionage and perception. God said to Moses, choose spies. Let them go and check out the land. Twelve spies. The spies came back and they shaped the perception of a whole nation negatively. Be careful of the people around you that come back and tell you negative things that tries to mar your perception. They shape the perception of, of the people negatively. Ten of them. But two of them try to give a positive influence. But the ten influence stood strong. They said, we saw ourselves like grasshoppers. Perception. They also said, that is how they saw us. How do you know? The story of Gideon that Pastor Ibami shared at the video. The enemy, hey, they have, God is showing them a dream about you already. They are already afraid. They are seeing a loaf of bread crushing their tent. They have a perception. They are afraid of you. But why should you now create the Opposite for yourself. This is as we are like grasshoppers in their eyes also. I think in chapter 14, God said, as you have said it in my ears, so shall it be. Be careful what you say. Particularly in God's presence. In your life, because God is with you every time. Be careful what you say. Be careful. Their perception shaped their reality. All of them died in the wilderness. You will not die in the wilderness. In the mighty name of Jesus. So we go on and press on in this know your enemy. And there's a battle <laughs> called the battle of 
Bukhara. The battle of Bukhara, you remember Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan, the Mongol um, general. There was a kingdom called Khwarazm's Empire. Now, Khwarazm's Empire was so large, it had the present-day Iran, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, a part of Iraq. You know, it was just a huge mass. And this Genghis Khan is obsessed, was obsessed with possession of land. And no nation has been able to dispossess this empire. Why? Because they have a fantastic formation of defense around themselves. However, the northern part was left open. Why? Because the northern part has a huge expanse of desert and no army have been able to survive the desert. Before they get to them, they are dead. So they just left the northern part open and focused on the east, west, and south. Guess where Kengis Chan went? But he didn't go like every other force had before him. Because he would just die in the wilderness. What he did was actually very simple if you think about it. He captured a local village. The people that live in the desert. Instead of killing them, he didn't kill them. He made them happy. He gave them provision. And he says to them, and he says, ah, what have we done to deserve this marvelous people? He says, eh, nothing. I just need to cross this desert. You know where the oasis are. You know, the locals, they know where every oasis are. You go like this, you go like this, you go like this. They say, ah, that's not a problem. Come, we'll show you. The hordes of army were going from oasis to oasis to By the time they hit the empire, nobody was expecting it. Intelligence. They gathered the intelligence. You see, there's no terrain that is too tough. It's because you don't have enough intelligence. There's no terrain that is too tough. None. Remember the story of the little Egyptian boy. First Samuel 30. The Amalekites had come. They have wiped away um, David and, and, and his um, family. And, you know, not David and his family. His family they left behind and, and everything they had. They burnt everything and they took their wives and their children. And David Ask God, shall I pursue? Will I overtake? Will I recover? God says, pursue. You will surely overtake. And without fail, you will recover all. That was a word from God. What David was going, he saw a little Egyptian boy. David could have ignored that little Egyptian boy. But the fact that God has spoken to you does not mean you don't need intelligence. David understood that. David fed the boy. Took care of the boy. And David said, who are you? And the boy says, I am a slave. They left me to die. David says, hey, where are they going? The boy gave them their military plan. And David used it and recovered all. There's, <laughs> There's no recovery without intelligence. There's no recovery without intelligence. God has said you will recover. Gather intelligence. So there is someone you know. That knows what you need to get to your next level. 
Who is that person that you can easily despise? The intelligence for your total recovery may be with them. There's someone in your life right now. Is it? That's how God works. There's someone in your life right now. That next level that you want, that you're desiring financially, spiritually, in your business, in your home. That next level that you can envision. There's somebody you already know that has the intelligence that will take you to that next level. You may even be sitting beside the person right now. You don't know. People are checking out their neighbors. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. You may be sitting beside the person right now. Many of us, we've treated shabbily because we look at people with a physical eye. We think we can't gain anything from them and we treat them like crap. We don't know that they have the information we need for victory. Which is... Okay. Praise God. Which is why you have to treat everybody nicely. You never know. And it's not enough to just treat people nicely. It's not enough to just know there are people around you that may have the intelligence that you need. You have to ask the right questions. The, and that alone, we can go the whole summer. Ask the right questions. You are sitting beside someone that has gone kilometers, thousands of kilometers ahead of you. Spiritually, let's take that for as an example. You don't ask the right question. You will sit down with them, you will get up, and you will go. You wouldn't have gotten anything. Instead, sit down and think. I remember sitting down with um, Craig Rochelle, some pastor, Life Church, TV. By the time I finished squeezing him with questions, <laughs> he, uh, he, took, he, took, he took time out. <laughs> because I am hungry. This guy knows more than I do. I can't pretend. Arrogance will not take you anywhere. Some of you, <laughs> you think you know. But you see, you can't begin to ask questions until you know you don't know. Many people come to you. Well, to me, let me give myself an example. They are asking questions. But they are not asking questions. They already know the answer they think is the answer. They just want to impress you that they know the answer. So they will ask you the question. And of course, because I can tell, I will delay. And they will tell you the answer. And I was like, okay, that's the way of looking at it. And they will go. Mm-hmm. There are people around you <laughs> that have what can change your life. You need to squeeze it out. Everybody was walking and everybody was using shoulder to eat Jesus. I, I see not Jesus. 
Is it not Jesus? Uh-uh. Is it not Jesus? Uh-uh. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I can touch the end of his garment, I will be well. Everybody was pushing Jesus, talking Jesus. She was like, it's okay. I just need to touch. And she touched the hem of his garment. And she was made whole. Jesus said, somebody touched me. Peter said, ah, ah, oh God. We have been rubbing shoulders this morning. Everybody has been pushing you. And you know, who do you even think you are? Jesus. Jesus said, somebody touched me. And the woman came out. And you know the rest of the story. What am I saying? Don't be casual with people that can change your destiny. Don't be casual. There was a group of people in the United States from Arizona. Now, I, 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 take, I told you the story, World War II, how the U.S. broke the code of, of Japan. And the U.S. also knew that the Japanese are very intelligent. They have awesome programmers. They could decode anything. And they knew that the Japanese could have broken their own code. You know what the U.S. did? Very, very fantastic <laughs> information. Maneuvering. They discovered that there was a, there's a, a local tribe in Arizona called the Navajos, N-A-V-A-J-O, the Navajo tribe. Now, this tribe, they speak a language that is not documented. And only a few thousand people speak it, and all of them are in Arizona because they are, it's, a, it's a local Indian tribe. They are, they are all enclosed. So what they did is they carried hundreds of them distributed them on their warships, on their different bases. And they spoke Nevajo across open communication line. So the Japanese, they said, what are they speaking? They thought it was a code. They ran it through all their programs. Nothing came out. And because of that small tribe, the Nevajo tribe, the U.S. won Second World War. They devastated Japan. The tribe was already in the U.S. The people that would determine the victory, they were already there. There are people in your life that will determine your victory. They are already there. It's your job to find them out. It's your job. They, can, they could easily have been ignored. They were just a tribe, an Indian tribe, a residue of the natives. But they understood that what is coding anyway? Is it not language that cannot be understood? So why spend expensive money on building ciphers when you have people that can speak language that nobody could understand? In 2 Kings 6, 8 to 23. Second Kings 6, 8 to 23. Now there's this fantastic story. Elijah. Elisha. No, Elijah. No, Elisha. 
they confuse me sometimes. Elisha, the, the one with the SHA, was in his house, and the king of Aram would plot a military plan to attack the king of Israel. While Elisha will be in his house, he will hear what they are saying, and he will say to the king of Israel, This is what they are saying. You know, it's so beautiful to stay in your house and hear what people are saying in their houses. I mean, God, I, I mean, that happens to me many times. Unsolicited. I just stay. I just hear. Wow. And he said, so the, the king of Aram, after many unsuccessful attempts, called his generals. I can imagine him pulling out his gun, shooting two in the skies, smelling the gunpowder, and say, who among us is betraying us? And they said, ah, okay, it's none of us. There's one prophet in Israel the thing you are saying in your bedroom is hearing it. <sighs> ah. May your walk with God be that intimate. <laughs> that when people are saying all about you, you are hearing. Because God wants to preserve you. And you don't know what the foolish king is. If, if, if you were the one, I mean, what should you do? I mean, you would try and be the friend of that guy. He sent all his, uh, his soldiers to go and arrest Elisha. Of course, you can know what happened. Okay, let me tell you the story. They surrounded where Elijah, one man, a whole army, one man. The servant of Elisha woke up in the morning to fetch water and he says, and he saw them and he came and said, Alas, my master, we are in trouble. They have surrounded us. Elijah says, Is that why you're waking me up? Oh. And he said, There are more with us than are against us. <laughs> There are more with us. Elisha says, I have intelligence. I can see chariots on fire. Can't you see? You, this small boy. The boy says, oh, guy, I can't see. Oh. All I can see are the enemy forces. Elisha says, okay, you know what? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Says, see. What say? Ah, I can see. What happened to his face? Vanished. Confident. They both marched out. Elisha says to the Lord, smite them with blindness. They smote them with blindness. Elisha, and this is not physical blindness. There's no time to analyze that. Elisha said, said, who are you looking for? He said, ah, we've come to arrest one man called, one prophet called Elisha. He's a very stubborn boy. That's the best we want to arrest. Let me show you where he is. He led them into the middle of of Samaria, Israel. And he says, Lord, open their eyes. Their eyes were opened. Eyes of understanding were opened. They realized where they were. Surrounded. And the king of Israel said to Elisha, should I kill them? Elisha said, how can you kill the people God has delivered into your hands? (laughs) 
Some people will get that on Wednesday. <laughs> like <Pastor. laughs> How can you, I mean, feed them. I sent them back. So the king of Israel fed them. I sent them back. And the Bible says that from that day forward, the king of Aram did not trouble Israel. Because of the superiority of your intelligence. Every king that represents Aram in your life will hear your name and back down. In the mighty name of Jesus. Know your enemies. That's number three. You type in number three, right? Number two, know your allies. Listen. Who are the people around you? Do you know the people around you? I'm not seeing people sitting beside you right now. Who are the people around you? Who are your allies? The people that appear to be on your side. Who are they? Do you know them? Someone says to me, oh, pastor, ah, I need to now write down this list of all these people and go to God one by one. I'll be praying for them. I said, you should do that. Some people are married for 20 years and they don't know their spouse. You are married for 20 years. You don't know your spouse. You are sleeping. Your spouse is, is flying, a, in, is taking a, a stroll. You don't know that you, you, have, you have married an Obonge. <laughs> oh, should I delve into this one? <sighs> you need to know everyone that is around you, what they are capable of doing. You need to know. If you don't know as a leader what everyone around you is capable of doing, you are in for surprises. Sometimes, if you, if you are praying, sometimes, you know, Jesus does things to test his disciples. Deliberately. To see who will say what. Who will respond how. Sometimes that's the easiest way to know. Sometimes you just need to wait and watch. Sometimes God will reveal it to, the, to you directly. But you must know everyone around you who is capable of do, making this decision. You put your foot down. Which of your children is capable of knowing that this is mommy's food or daddy's food and eating it? If you don't know, try it. Do it deliberately. There's one of your child that will eat it. They know it's your food. They will eat it. They say, Let's see what you will do. You don't need to break their heads. Just know. Update your database. Just know that this one is capable of doing this. Anyway. You know how Julius Caesar died? Have you heard a two brute? A two brute. It means, and you two brutus. Julius Caesar. Roman Empire emperor. He was daggered to death by Brutus' friend. 
And when Brutus plunged the dagger in and twisted it with his last breath, he couldn't believe it. He knew he had enemies. He couldn't believe it. He said, I too would die. <laughs> and you too, Brutus. I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That your last words will not be a too brute. Something my grandmother used to say to us. You know, you, you, she, she was illiterate. So she doesn't speak English. So I, I, I'll say it. I put it up on the screen and I'll interpret it. She used to say, Biku leo bakpani. Udeo lepani. If the death within, if you are not destroyed by the internal enemy, the external enemy cannot destroy you. It's good to know the enemy without, but your greatest risk, greater than that, your greatest risk is, is, is there's even one greater than the enemy within, is yourself. That's the greatest risk. But you're, greater than the enemy without is the enemy within. There are people that if you fall, they just want to be in that position of saying sorry. Oh, thank you. Let me help you up. Those people are dangerous. There are some people that are praying that, <laughs> that you fall so that they can say, oh, okay, after all, we are all, everybody is human. You know, we we'll forgive you. I mean, let's check. It's constant checking because people change. People actually, some people get better, some people get worse. Constant checking. Constantly. Constantly. Let me tell you a story. You know the story of Lagos? There are different versions of the story of Lagos. But I'll tell you the one that one of the Obas told me himself. In fact, it's one of the Dejos. He told me the story himself. And this is the story of Lagos. The, even before the Ashikpa, then Ado came from, from, from Benin eventually. The Oba of Lagos had always been prosperous. He had many wives, but he had one special wife, you know, out the road. <laughs> now, the order of Benin, in expanding the Benin kingdom, has launched several campaigns against the order of Lagos and has failed. The order of Lagos has always been able to defend his territory. But the king offended his special bride. So the special bride went and married the Oba of Benin with intelligence and revealed his secrets. And of course, the, sec- the next campaign was a washout. Who is that queen? Oh, 
Let me not go there. Now, <laughs> now. But the Oba of Lagos was very wise. So what he did is, was this. He immediately divided his land and gave to his children, they are called the Dejos, and considered to the son of the Oba of Benin, Ado. Ado Road, you know, Ado Road, the same guy. So today, till this day, the Oba of Lagos is determined by the Oba of Benin. Did you know that? Till today. But the Oba of Lagos, coming from Benin, don't own a single plot of land in Lagos. Not one. They are all owned by who? The just Strategic thinking. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So you have the Oloto of Oto, the Onikoye of Ikoye, the Oniru of Iru, the, the Oluwas, Apapa, the different places. But why did Lagos fall? That for that many years till today, till this date, the upper of Lagos is determined by the upper of Benin. Why did Lagos fall? Because there was somebody within that betrayed the king. I have news for you. Not everyone around you is for you. I'm not saying you should go about suspecting everybody. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. It's just a fact. As believers, we depend on the Holy Spirit for intelligence. So number three is know your enemies. <laughs> number two is know your allies. Number one is know your know yourself. Know yourself. One of the greatest disservice you can do for yourself is to think you are who you are not. That's one of the greatest disservice you can do to yourself. You know, some people pretend to be who they are not long enough that they, they themselves begin to believe it. That's one of the greatest disciples you can unto yourself be true. If you, to, to know yourself, three steps. Number one, unto yourself be, be true. Be brutal about telling yourself the truth. Number two, look into the word of God. The word of God is like a mirror. Look into it and you will see. Number three, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit and he will show you yourself. Once you know yourself, then you can improve yourself. You must know first and foremost that I am a liar. I like lying. Then you can improve yourself. You can read books that will help you stop lying. You can, you know, get help. You just know yourself. Society used to be divided between those who have more and those who have less. I tell you the, the truth. Going forward, society is going to be divided by those who know more and those who know less. <laughs> Knowledge is going to be the key 
beside her. So your life only gets better when you get better. You cannot get better if you don't even know where you stand. If you want your life to get better in this place, I know. If you want your life to get better, look at me. Okay, everybody's looking at me. Fantastic. <laughs> I was going to say shout hallelujah, but I didn't have time. Now, everybody wants their life to get better. But your life can never get better if you don't get better. So the more you acquire and apply accurate information about yourself and achieve results, the more valuable you become and the better the quality of your life. The better the quality of your life. And the good news is there's no limits to how better you can become. There's no limits to how better you can become by continuous learning. It is totally up to you. It's totally up to you. So, read books. I say, so, I don't like reading. Ah, like you too. Me too, I don't like reading. But I, I force myself to read. Nobody likes hard work. I don't like hard work. Oh, ah, me, I know myself. Small work, big money. Who doesn't like small work, big money? <laughs> Do the work. Listen to the message. We've given you CDs. Do the work. Sit down. Listen to it. Improve yourself. Become better. Take that course. Listen to that advice. It may be bitter in your mouth right now. But listen to it. Keep getting better and your life will get better. When you get better, your life gets better. There are people, I notice, if I'm giving you feedback, I'm giving you advice, you don't listen. After a while, I stop. I'm not a fool. I don't have time to waste. I stop. Why? Not because I hate you. Because it's not, it's not even adding any value. Until you get to that point yourself that I need to listen to advice. You can't get better. Praise the name of the Lord. And another thing you need to know is no one is better than you. Nobody is smarter than you. There's nobody that is better than you. The pastor, is that true? Yes. If anyone is better than you, they simply know something you don't know. And they are simply doing something you are not doing. So what should you do? Go and find out. And know what they know. And begin to do what they do. And you find out that you become better yourself. There's nobody that is better than you. Say it after me. There's nobody that is better than me. There's nobody. When we're growing up, and let's say you, I don't know what I used to come. I, I, I don't I used to come anything. Let's just assume I, I come nine out of 25 people in class. My mother will say to me, the person that came first, does he have two heads? Does he have two heads? Before you can answer, now you may say that is a little bit extreme. I don't think so. 
because it, tell, it, it, it drilled into me that no one is better than you, Femi. No one is better than you. You are as good as you want to be. Where you are today is because that is where you want to be. It's your choice. Do you want to die there? Or will you become better? Are you going to bite the bullet? Take the bitter pill and be the better person? Are you going to say, oh, life is so hard? Oh, there's so much to read. Oh, I can't catch up. Oh, it's a lie. You can. Praise the name of the Lord. There's no limits to what you can learn. There's no limit to what you can, how you can improve your life. There's no limit. You have to know yourself. Spiritually, you can't grow if you don't know yourself. You can't fulfill your destiny if you don't know yourself. Let me round up with the story of Prophet Isaiah. The Prophet Isaiah had, before chapter 6, has been saying to everybody, including the King Uzziah, woe is you for doing this. Woe are you for doing that. Woe are you. He was just cursing everybody. Then the Bible says, the day King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. You see, when you are so critical of people, you will not see the Lord. When you stop being critical of people, you begin to see the Lord. But in this case of Isaiah, the, the king, his main object of criticism, died. And he says, I saw the Lord highly lifted up, and his train, his robe filled the temple. And I saw the seraphim, they were shouting, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty. And the temple shook and there was smoke all over. And Isaiah finally saw himself and he said, woe is me. Remember, he has been saying, woe is this person. Woe unto the king of Assyria. Woe unto the king of uh, Aram. Woe unto this. If you read Isaiah 1 to 5, that is, if you count the number of woes there. When he saw himself, he said, woe is, is me. For I am undone. If you see people that are critical of others, they don't know themselves. If you see people that are quick to judge other people, they have no clue about who they are. If you really know who you are, it humbles you. It makes you know that if not for God's grace, you can't be standing. If I know. If not, I can't be standing here. He says, woe is me. He says, I am undone. And he didn't leave the people. He says, and I live among the people that are undone. Before, you could only see the people that were undone. Right now, he can see himself as part of them. And God touched him. And God cleansed him. And God now commissioned him he was a prophet before then, but until he saw himself, he couldn't enter into his destiny. I want to close here. I want us to bow down our hearts as we bow down ourselves, our, our heads. 
You have heard. You need to gather information about the enemy. You, the enemy without is dangerous. But you also need to gather information about your allies. The enemies within are, are even more lethal. But guess what? You also need to know who you are because the enemy without and the enemy within does not compare to the enemy that you are to yourself if you don't receive help from God. There's an enemy of our destiny, of our souls. I want you to pray and talk to God. Help me to discern. Help me to see. Help me to see as I ought to see. Help me to know as I ought to know. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. 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 You are here, you're like, Pastor. I need help. I need God. I need God to cleanse me. I'm like Isaiah. Finally. Woe is me. God doesn't come through. The enemy of my of our souls. I have no chance against the devil. Of course you don't have. You don't stand no chance against the devil. Except you are in God. You're saying, Pastor, I want to come to God today. Quickly, I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. You want to come forward wherever you are seated. Pastor, I want to come to God today. Put up your hand now over your head and I'll pray with you very quickly. That is me. Put up your hand. Yeah, put up your hand. Put up your hand. Well, well. Don't just rest it on your head. Lift it up. I want to see it. So I, so I will pray with you. God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you, God bless you my brother. God bless you right there. Keep the hands up. Put it up. Put it up. And if you are online, the instructions are scrolling. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Put up the hand. Once you have the card, you can put it down and cry to God. That is me, Lord. That is me. That is me. Anybody else? I'm, I want to pray now. That is me. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Right there. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Woe is me. God bless you, my sister at the back. Woe is me. I'm undone. Finally, I can see compared to God's holiness. I need help. I need the grace. I need the grace, the power that comes from the cross of Calvary. That is me. Put up that hand. I will pray now. The rest of us, let's talk to him. Let's talk to God. God, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Oh, God. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me, oh God. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Father, we pray for everyone whose hands are lifted. Have lifted up. Who have received the card, Lord? We ask that you cleanse them. Lord, breathe upon them. Every life present in this place, change our lives. Help us to hear and discern accurately as we ought to. And let the name of Jesus be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying.